Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What a great day to be in the house. We like to have fun in the house. And um, I invited some of the team members to, uh, to join me in wearing their favorite Christmas sweater. Who likes all the sweaters? So we're gonna do this, we're gonna have a little competition. We're gonna have a, a Christmas sweater competition. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna make this a team competition. And so from the worship team, Elisa, come out here. Morgan, come here. The Llama team, come over here to this side. Isaacs, come up to this stage. McGinty's, come on up to this stage. This is a team sweater competition. So we got the Llama team up here. Isaacs with assimilation. I Rex stuff. And uh, the McGinty's coming up. We've got Star Wars and Christmas dogs. Awesome. Party animals. All right, all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, audience participation, whichever Christmas team you like the most, I want to hear your loudest cheer. Come on, the McGinty's, the Christmas cheers. What are Star Wars? Come on. Come on. Give it up for Team Llama. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Here. The Come on. Feliz Navidad. And we have the Isaacs, Isaacs I Rex stuff in the Christmas sweater competition. Oh, come on. I think Team Llama is the winner. Team Llama is the winner. I have a gift for you. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep this for you later. Can we thank our contestants? Great job rocking the Christmas sweaters. You guys, you guys can take a seat. Thank you, worship team. Amazing. Didn't the worship team do incredible today? I love Christmas sweaters, ugly sweaters too of all kinds. In fact, I was walking through a store the other day and I, I snapped a photo of probably one of the ugliest sweaters I've seen. Can we, can we put that up on the screen? Do we have that one? I didn't get the whole thing, but this is like the hissing, hissing cat sweater. And I, I, I was like, wow, I, I almost bought that because I think that could win a few ugly sweater competitions. And then I saw the price tag. Like, are you kidding me? That's the ugliest thing on that screen right there. $664 for a feral cat sweater. And the crazy thing is it's marked down twice. The starting price was $1,600. $1,600 for this Gucci ugly cat sweater. Talk about a poor investment. It's got a security cable. Yeah, nobody, they don't want anybody stealing the $1,600 mark down to $664. I mean, that's a steal, really, at $664. Why wouldn't you buy it? I can't imagine why it's still on the shelves. But uh, the Christmas sweater tradition, we love it. And I think it's, it's really, if you like to participate in it, it's very important to find the sweater that really encompasses your personality. You know, you can tell some people like to go with the humor. Some people like, like me, like the classic look, the classic Christmas sweater. Some people just like, just like ugly, just playing out like, where's Leon? Come here, Leon. Come on up to the stage. Come on, come on, Leon. He's just, he's just going straight ugly. Straight ugly. Come on, give him a spin. Just got engaged last week, doing the tithe message. Hopefully she, she does something with your wardrobe, Leon. 
That's what, that's what great wives are for. Like mine, she's upped my game significantly. It was a shadow, shadow of a man that I once was. Wait, scratch that, reverse it. But, uh, but what, is, what is the sweater that best defines you? And I think one of the most important things is once you, once you find your sweater, you got to wear it with confidence. you got to be bold. You can't like halfway in, halfway out. you got to find that, that sweater that really encompasses you and, uh, and then wear it proudly. So the title of this message is Rock That Ugly Sweater. Rock that ugly sweater. Find your sweater and then wear it boldly, proudly, and uh, let, it, let it do the talking for you. Um, sometimes it's challenging because not everybody, not everybody appreciates a good ugly sweater. Like sometimes it takes a little bit of explaining. But, um, but it may even seem odd, to, odd at you at times, odd for you at times. You, uh, you're kind of like, like insecure a little bit. Like is this the right thing? Like Leanne had to get approval from Lisa to wear that today. And she gave him the go ahead. But, but she didn't know I was going to invite him up on stage. But, uh, but we like to have fun here. So, but we also believe that there's, there's power in what you wear. There's power in what you wear. And that's why we do encourage you to, to, to wear it boldly, wear it confidently. And we're going to look today at a few Bible heroes that, that wore some ugly sweaters of sorts. And, uh, and we'll see how it can really make a difference, impact our lives as well. So the first one, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. This was a man who, who knew what he was supposed to do. He was all in for the calling of God on his life. Like once, once, he, once he knew his mission, once he knew his assignment, there, there was nothing else. He wouldn't let anything else get in the way. So the first, the first principle we wanna talk about today is the ugly sweater of devotion. Ugly sweater of devotion. We need to be all in. We need to be devoted to something. John the Baptist was devoted to preparing the way for Jesus Christ. He knew his mission, he knew his assignment, he knew his calling was to, was to set up, set up the stage, to, to lay out the groundwork so that when Jesus came in, people would be ready to receive. So we're gonna take a look at Matthew chapter three. Give your neighbor some Christmas cheer while you're turning there. Matthew chapter three, give him a hug, give him a high five, give him a fist bump. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Give your, give your neighbor some love. Come on, never miss a chance to give some love to somebody beside you. Matthew 3, 3 to 6. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair because apparently fine camel hair was too nice. He needs something a little bit uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Coarse, coarse camel hair. And he wore a leather belt around his waist for he ate Locusts and wild honey. Honey, this is a, a sweater that comes with a diet as well. Locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. Interesting. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. How, how interesting is that? It starts off kind of funny. Okay, this, this weird guy, he's, he's wearing this camel hair sweater and he eats this crazy, crazy food, crazy diet. But then people from all over the countryside would come to see him. Interesting, interesting. When you are dedicated to something, when you are devoted to something, when you pour your all into something, it's captivating to people. It's captivating. Like maybe some people came just for the show. Maybe they heard about this crazy guy. Maybe they just wanted to see what it was all about. You know, maybe they heard that he said a few good things. But when, when they came, when they experienced, when they saw his devotion, when they saw how passionate he was about it, something, something clicked on the inside of them. 
Something, something changed. Like they, they, they stopped from just being there for the show and they started listening to what he had to say. They started to believe. Why? Because he believed. He was passionate about it. He loved what he was saying. He knew it was the truth. It was captivating to them. And it changed people's lives. When we believe something beyond a shadow of a doubt, when we're so devoted to something, it'll be captivating to other people. We can draw people into us, not for our own good or for our own glory. John didn't do this for his own benefit, but he was sent to prepare the way. Are we devoted to something in our life? Do we have that level of passion when we believe it so much, we can't help but share it, and then people can't help but come and hear? And not just hear, but they responded. He baptized them in the Jordan River. If your message is from God, people will come to you. I mean, it's great if, you, if you're called to go out on the street and, and, and try and convince the pastors by. It's, it's great if you're called to go into your workplace and, and hand out flowers. It's, it's great if you're called to, to do these things. But unless it's from God, unless it's a message from God, it's not going to bear fruit. It's not going to be beneficial. You might wind up turning people away when you're supposed to be drawing them in. So it doesn't even as matter, matter as much where you go, but what matters is what you believe. Do you believe in the message that you've been sent? Do you believe in the call of God in your life? Do you believe that you're supposed to share it with other people? And a great way to do that, like John, is to first live it yourself. Live this life that God has called you to live. Live a devoted life to him. Do the things that, that nobody else is doing. Devotion may not be comfortable at times. Maybe we have to, to wear a mantle. Maybe we have to do things that, that is outside of our comfort zone. And God will give us those opportunities, but he doesn't give us those opportunities to, to have us isolate ourselves or be insecure. He gives us those opportunities to stretch us. When's the last time you were stretched by God? When's the last time you allow God to speak to you and take you into a place that was a little bit uncomfortable? Maybe, maybe you are called to, to be a voice over this family gathering coming up. Be a voice for God. Be a voice for truth. Speak the truth in love. Jesus says. He doesn't say hide the truth, but he doesn't say speak the truth in a way that's, that's mean or disconnecting. We're called, to, we're called to be a light. So however it is, whatever you're called to do, be a light. You will face some persecution. You will face some scoffers. Maybe, maybe there's those people that laugh at you because you're a Christian. Maybe even in your family, they laugh at you because you believe that, that this book is alive. You believe this book is living. You believe that the word of God still moves, that there's still healings, that there's still power, that there's still the flow of the Holy Spirit. Let them scoff. Let them laugh. Because what they're really doing is they're projecting their own doubt onto you. They're projecting their own assumptions. They're projecting maybe their own mistakes. They're projecting their, their own experiences where, where they, haven't, they haven't felt the power of God. But that's okay. Just keep loving them. Keep loving them. Keep giving the example. Keep showing your life as a testimony and say, hey, this is how I felt the power of God. This is where I saw healing. This is where I saw anointing. This is where I saw God move time and time again. They cannot take away your testimony. That's your personal relationship, your story, your testimony with God. And nobody can take that away from you. If we want to live a life of devotion, sometimes we have to set the trend. We can't just do what everybody has always been doing. We can't just do the thing that's, that's popular. We can't just do whatever makes sense to everybody else. Several years ago, 2015, there was a movie that came out called The Big Short. 
And it was about the global financial crisis of 2008 and how uh, mortgage lenders and, and these massive banks had, had created an atmosphere through subprime mortgages that created this real estate bubble. And there's this one man in particular, Michael Burry, he saw that these subprime mortgages, these, these banks that were lending money to people who couldn't really afford it, eventually that would, that would collapse. Eventually that would fold. Everybody else was buying. It was a high for everybody else in real estate. But, but he saw, he looked at the data, and he poured over. He was devoted to finding the truth of this matter. He was devoted to seeing what would really happen. And he was in charge of several investments, and, and some of the people that were investing with him, they, they tried to sue him to stop this progress, to stop this motion, to stop continuing to buy shorts on all these mortgages. And so he had to face some persecution, he had to face some challenges, but eventually we all know what happened. The, the bubble did burst, the housing market crashed, these, these massive banks went into foreclosure, the government had to bail out several of them. But this man, Michael Berry, wound, wound up making millions and millions of dollars for himself and all of his investors because he was devoted to this principle, because he stood on what he knew to be the truth. He had faith in it. The sweater of devotion requires faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. But, but what is faith? Faith is an intimate knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge of your heavenly Father. John had this before he was even born. When he was in his mother Elizabeth's womb, her cousin Mary came to visit her, and Mary had been given the gift of the Messiah. She was pregnant with Jesus Christ at the time, and when Mary walked into that room, John jumped in his mother's belly because he sensed the presence of God. He knew that his assignment, he knew that his devotion was connected to this life, and he couldn't help but react to it. God will reveal his assignment to you in a way that's undeniable for you. Somehow, some way, God, maybe he's already done this. He's spoken to you about your calling. He's spoken to you about the plans for your, your life. You already know what you need to do because God whispered in your ear in a way that, that you knew it couldn't have been anybody else. He showed himself up for you in a way where you knew that it was God, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And maybe you try to rationalize it away, or maybe you try to bury it for time and say, ah, oh, not yet, I'm not ready. That's okay. Lots of people in the Bible had to face that same situation. Moses encountered a burning bush in the wilderness, and the voice of God came out of that bush. And it's undeniable that it was God. It's undeniable that the power of God was moving. It's undeniable that God was giving him an assignment. Mary, she received a visit, a visit from an angel, said, blessed and highly favored, you're going to carry the Messiah. It was undeniable that God had spoken to her. Abraham had this powerful relationship where he would talk to God, and God said, get out of your tent, go look at the stars of the sky, count them if you can, those are going to be the numbers of your descendants. Have you made space for God to talk to you? How do you hear from him? Has he spoken to you already? What has he said? What has he called you into? What is this thing that you're supposed to be devoted to? Maybe there's some of us here today who are, who are called to be devoted to education. Maybe you're teachers or principals or in the administration. Maybe you're, you're in this season or you're in this role for a specific purpose to help change the culture of our young kids, to help change the culture of our school so we don't teach, we don't provide illicit materials for elementary school students anymore. We can actually teach the truth. We can teach history. We can teach the facts. We can teach what God believes is righteous. 
Maybe that's your purpose. Maybe that's your call. Maybe you were created just for that role to help shift the atmosphere of the next generation. Maybe you're, you're here today and, and you know that God has called you into missions work. You know that he's called you to go out and help the least of these, to go down into Tijuana, to go down into South America, or even here in San Diego and help those who can't help themselves. Maybe you're called to, to work with those who are struggling against addiction and help set their right, life right. Maybe you're, you're called to help get them into to great facilities we have in East County, like the Transitional Living Center or Genesis, Genesis Recovery or so many others that, that are built to, to enrich people's lives, not just, not just give them a meal, but actually change their life so they can transition. Maybe you, you're called to be devoted to that. What's your mission? What's the assignment? Maybe, maybe you're called to, to, to do something that nobody else has done before. Maybe you're called to start a new business. Maybe you're, helped, you're, you're called to help break the, the back of, of poverty in East County by creating businesses, creating jobs, generating wealth for the economy, building amazing new bu buildings here in East County, lifting up the face of the neighborhood. Maybe you're called to be a wealth creator. Come check out Pathfinders. We're all called to be in the marketplace in, in, in some way. What are, you called to be what are you called to be devoted to? Once, you, once you've got an idea about what that is, look for confirmation. Matthew 11, 2 to 8, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told him, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preached to the poor. When you move in the power of God, when you are devoted to him, the fruit of God will follow you. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will rise up, sickness will be defeated, poverty will be defeated, addiction will be defeated. If you've got the call on your life, you've got to get out there and apply it because others are waiting for it. Others are waiting for you to answer the call of God on your life because you're the key to their breakthrough. Your testimony, your life is an example and you can help bring somebody out of that sickness, out of that despair, into a new life if we can just be devoted. Unbending devoted. It says in verse 7, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? No, he was strong. He was secure. He knew his assignment. He knew his devotion. Do we know ours? Do we know what we're supposed to be devoted to? Do we know what it is that God has put on our life to impact other people? How can we prepare the way? The Bible has given all of us a great commission to go into all the world and make disciples for Jesus Christ. So if you've got nothing else, you've got that. As soon as you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, help somebody else know the same thing. That's your devotion. Be devoted to that. Be devoted one person at a time, winning disciples for Jesus Christ. And then once they've, once they've said that prayer of salvation, once they've received Jesus Christ, help them along the way. It doesn't just go out and say, make salvations or make converts to Jesus. No, it says go make disciples. Show somebody how to do what you've done. Give them the tools that they need. Show them how the Holy Spirit has all of these gifts, all of these fruit, and then apply it in your life and watch them apply it in theirs. There's, there's nothing more powerful than seeing somebody that you've raised up, that you've discipled up, start to operate in the gifts that God has given them. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, the second, the second principle I wanna talk about, the ugly sweater of determination. The ugly sweater of determination. 
There's times throughout our marriage that, that my wife has said that I'm stubborn about certain things, that I, I don't let certain things go easily, but uh, I like to call it determination. <laughs> Semantics. Our first house that we bought was, was quite a bit of a fixer-upper. There was lots of stuff that needed to be done, and I was determined to save some money by doing as much of it as I could myself. And I'm not a professional contractor. I, I wish I knew now, or then, a lot of the contractors I know now would have made that job a lot easier. But, um, but I, I was determined to, to do as much as I could. So I, I dug up the yard with a, a tiller, and I leveled it out, and I put in the turf in myself, and that actually looked pretty good. I did a pretty good job. And, uh, and I was able to change out some outlets on my own, wire some, some ceiling lights. There was one particular job that was, that was challenging for me. And it was like a three-way circuit with a switch, an outlet, and a ceiling fan. And, and uh, I, wish, I wish I had Will Turner's number at that time. But uh, I, for some reason, I just could not figure this thing out. It was, it was stressful. I was like, check the wires over and over again. And for some reason, the thing would just, would just not work. My dad was there. My family was there. And I think they wanted to, to go see a movie or something. So my wife was a little annoyed that I was so determined to, to do this thing, to finish this thing. But hours later, I'm still working on this thing. And I get to the point where I, I've tried everything. I've quadruple checked the wires and just not, it's not working. And uh, I just sit down on a stool and I just start to pray. I'm like, God, well, I've exhausted all of my knowledge, all of my ability. So you're going to have to take it from here if this thing is going to get done. And uh, this, this thought just popped into my head to, to check the wires again. And I'm like, I've checked the wires four times, you know. And, and typically when you do these things, like the, the red and the black are the hot, like the white is the return, the green or the copper is the ground. And, and everything else that I had done, it worked out fine. But I was like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll check it again. And, uh, and so I go back and I turn on the breaker and I, I check the wires. And sure enough, somebody had made the white wire the hot wire. Why would you do that? Somebody had, had switched the wires that were supposed to be hot and neutral, and, uh, and as soon as I, I flopped that around, everything worked perfectly. Thank you, Jesus. But you got to be determined. You got to be determined. And then you also, at some point, need to realize you need to talk to God. You just need some supernatural wisdom, intervention. There's some things that you can't do on your own, so I should have just started with that. Let it be a lesson to you all. Learn from my mistakes. Just talk to God first when you're wiring up a ceiling fan. What is it that we're determined to do? Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient for other people. It's not, always, it's not always easy to be around someone who is super determined, who is super dedicated to a specific mission. Sometimes it, it, will, it will derail some other plans. And you, you have to ask yourself, is it, is it worth it? What is this thing that I'm trying to do? Is it worth risking relationships? Is it worth alienating other people? Is it worth inconveniencing other people? There's a man in the Bible who is a, who's a bit of a scrapper. In fact, his name means heel grabber, Jacob. He was not content to sit in the shadows. He was not content to play second fiddle to his brothers. He was resourceful. He used what was at his disposal. He was kind of a shrewd dealer. You know, he, he swindled Esau out of his birthright with some stew when he was really hungry. He angled for position to, to take his, his blessing as well. And we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 27, and this is just after Isaac had told Esau, go out into the field and and hunt some game and prepare food for me. And Rebekah had heard it, and and, uh, she told Jacob, hey, I want you to to step in. I believe this blessing is for you. And so in verse 14, it says, so Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes 
which were in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms in the smooth of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including the freshly baked bread. Sometimes the garments that we're supposed to wear weren't intended for us. These were Esau's favorite clothes, but they were just lying around the house. So Jacob went and put on this, this ugly sweater of his brother's clothes and the, the, goat, the goat hair on his hands and on his neck, and, and he used that to deceive his father, to, to take the blessing that was going to Esau. And, and we, we look at this story, and we, you know, for most of us, it, it kind of tweaks us a little bit. Ah, it's, it's not really, like, why was he able to get the blessing? He didn't really deserve it. He didn't earn it. You know, it wasn't really supposed to be his. He kind of he stole it. But I look at the story, and, and I wonder, you know, why, why wasn't Esau fighting harder for his blessing? Why did he so easily give away his birthright? Why did he just leave his, his favorite clothes laying around? Why is it that, that he wasn't fighting for what was his? Because he didn't have determination. Jacob was determined. Jacob was determined to change the course, the destiny of his life. Jacob was determined to get what he believed was right for him. He even put on somebody else's clothes. He even wore a sweater that wasn't intended for him, but he was determined to do it. Are we determined to change the script over our life? Or are we just gonna believe what everybody else says about us? Are we gonna believe that because I was born at this place and this time to this family in this part of the county that, that my life has a ceiling right here and I'm never gonna achieve anything more than that? Are we determined to, to shift that script? Are we determined to, to declare, it, it's not about where I was born, it's not about who I was born to, it's about whose son I am. I know my destiny, I know what I'm called to do and it's greater than what I'm doing right now. Are you determined to do something for God that nobody else has done? Can you do the things that nobody else is willing to do? Are you determined? Or like Esau, are you gonna be apathetic about your role? Say, well, he really wants it, let him have it. Let him do the thing that I was called to do. Let him wear the mantle, let him wear the garment that was supposed to be for me. It's not really worth it. We can't be apathetic. We can't abdicate our responsibility. There's some, some guys that say, oh, my, my wife is so pushy, you know, she's always making me do these things. Well, maybe if you got out of your PJs and put your pants on, she wouldn't have to wear them. Maybe if you weren't abdicating your responsibility to be the leader, the head of the house, and discipline your kids, your wife wouldn't have to do that. She wouldn't have to be the bad guy all the time. If you, if you stood up and showed confidence, the thing is, you don't have to be the bad guy either. You just have to be determined to have a good household. You have to de be determined that your kids are gonna follow God. You have to be determined that for me and my house, we're gonna love the Lord. You set the example and you won't have to be the bad guy. You get to be the good guy. But you have to be strong, you have to be confident. We can't abdicate our responsibility. We have to be the ones that are willing to step up and fight and maybe even take on the mantle of somebody else if they're not doing their job. It's not an easy thing to do and you can make some enemies and, and there is a caution there too. Jacob did use deception in his life at times and he was the recipient of deception. What you sow, you reap. So be careful about how you go about being determined. Be careful about how you go about enacting this design that God has for your life. Later in his life, he was, he was swindled out of seven years of, of hard labor 
to get the, the woman that he wanted to marry. But he got the woman. He was determined to have Rachel. And so he worked an additional seven years. He was determined to, to be blessed. He was determined to have the wages due him. And, and Laban, his father-in-law, tried to, tried to swindle him out of a lot of these flocks of sheep. But Jacob was determined. He was resourceful. He used what it was at his disposal. And he relied on wisdom from God. Are we doing that? Are we resourceful? Are we determined to, to fulfill everything that God has for us? Are we willing to fight when it matters? Jacob fought for this birthright. He fought for the blessing. He fought for his bride. He fought for these wages. And I think these were all precursors to the real fight, the most important fight of his life. We're gonna look at Genesis 32, 24 to 28. And this is when Jacob is leaving with his family. And he's going back to his homeland. Verse 24, this left Jacob alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. That's some determination. Wrestled with God. In our lives, there's gonna be, there's gonna be times where, where we get to a place where we can't understand the situation. We can't understand what's happening. We don't, we don't know why we're in this situation. We don't know why this is happening to us. And that's where we wrestle with God. That's where we come to God and, and, and say, I believe in you. I don't know why this is happening. It doesn't make sense to me, but God, I trust you. We've got to wrestle with God. We've got to cling to God, even when it feels like he's running away from us, even, even when sometimes we run away from him. Wherever we're at, he's there. Wherever we go, he is with us. We've got to learn to cling to him, but we've got to be determined to never let go of God. Why? Because God is the one who can change our name. God is the one who can set the course of our lives. If we're determined to cling to him, then we're determined to do what's right. We have to fight for what's right. What do you believe in? What do you care about? Well, what does God care about? What is God calling you to do? We can't abdicate our responsibilities. We have to give a care about what matters. We have to wear the sweater of determination. We can't be determined to, to make a name for ourselves. If we're determined to be connected to God, then God will change our name. God will give us the name that he has assigned for us. The last, the last principle I want to talk about, the last sweater, the ugly sweater of destiny. The ugly sweater of destiny. This is a garment of favor. The Bible says that God doesn't show partiality to any one person, but God has principles, and if we follow those principles, then we can find favor with God. In uh, Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor with the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, 26, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. Job 8, 5 to 7. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. Anybody else want some of that? Restored happy home? Come on. He will restore your happy home. And though you started with little, you will end with much. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. If God is in something, then you can trust that he's going to cause it to increase. God will bring the multiplication. 
There's a man in the Bible that was known as a dreamer. God will reveal your calling to you, sometimes in dreams, sometimes in, in visions. He will speak to you in, in, in specific ways. And it's not about a position or title, but it's about your destiny. What is your destiny? What has God showed you about your destiny? In the Bible, Joseph was a dreamer. God showed him this, this picture of, of what he would be and the influence that he would have. And he couldn't really explain it, and, and um, he probably you know, shared it around too freely. So we do have to be guarded. We do have to be careful about who we're sharing our dreams and our visions with. Is it somebody that, that has our best interest in heart? Is it somebody when we share it with them, they're gonna be encouraging of that? Or are they gonna be a naysayer? They're gonna try to convince us, that, ah, we can't do that. Be careful who you share your dreams with. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the issues of life. God will plant dreams and visions into your heart. In Genesis 37, it says this can happen if you, if you are too free with your dreams and visions. Maybe you're sharing them in places or times where you shouldn't. Verse 18, now when they saw him afar off, this is Joseph's brothers, before he even came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one, or, one another, look at this dreamer coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become, what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, his oldest brother, and he delivered him out of their hands. He said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. Reuben thinking that he might later deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Even when it seems like everybody's against us, even when it seems like we've got no friends, God has, God has set aside somebody to help us. God, is, God has somebody planted in our life, in our circle, that's called to, to be a deliverer, called to be a help for us. Verse 23, so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors, the coat of many colors, the coat of favor, the coat of sonship, a favored son of his father. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. In it. And when you, when you read this story, you might, you might be thinking, well, that's the end of his destiny. He, he lost this, this coat of favor. Like what else is, is left for him? He doesn't have a, a purpose now. He's, he's being sold into slavery. Just because your job or your position has changed, it has not changed your destiny. Your destiny is given by your heavenly Father and nobody can take that away from you. They may change your coat, you may change your season, you may be in a new job, you may be wearing a new hat, you may be doing something different, you may be doing something that you know is not the end result or the end goal for your life. But your destiny has not changed. Your destiny is from God. You've got to cling to your destiny no matter what job or no matter what season you're in. A change of season is not the end of the world. How do I know that? Because a new garment is coming. A new garment was coming for Joseph. There was a transition period. He went from the pit to sold into slavery to transferred down to Egypt and then he was purchased by an Egyptian to be a slave, to be a servant in Potiphar's house. Genesis 39 Verse four, so Joseph found favor in his sight, Potiphar's sight, and served him. Then Potiphar made him overseer of his house 
and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Joseph des- Joseph's destiny kept bringing him up to the top. He was faithful. He was faithful to his destiny. He was faithful to the purpose that God had for him. Even when he was in a position that he didn't choose for himself, that he didn't want for himself, he was faithful. Whenever the people of God are are faithful to the will of God, you can can bet, you can be sure that the devil is gonna come in and try and derail that. The The devil will try and sabotage your destiny. And often it comes in the form of temptation just like it did for Joseph. Verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she, Potiphar's wife, caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But watch this, he left his garment. He left his garment in her hand. It was the garment of position. So he was a servant, but, but Potiphar had set him over the house. Like every, all the other servants, everybody else knew that, that Joseph was the, the man that they had to deal with if they wanted to get anything done. Joseph was the one that, that oversee everything else. But Joseph, out of his character, turned down an illicit proposal and left his garment left his security. Even as a slave, it was the only security. Even as a servant, it was the only security that he had. We've got to be able to release the garment for the sake of our character. Never let a position, never let a title, never let a role, never let an opportunity rob you of your character. Joseph was then lied about and he was put into prison. He could have taken the, the, the victim mentality approach. He could have said, this is not fair. I don't deserve this. I did the right thing. But that's not, that's not his character. He chose to let God be his judge. Psalm 711, God is a righteous judge. Even when we've been wronged, even when we've done the right thing and it hasn't produced the result that we want in our life, We cannot take matters into our own hands. We can't be impatient. We've gotta let God vindicate us, and he will. He will vindicate us. Joseph put on the garment of a prisoner. He made the best out of every bad situation that he was in. He clung to his destiny. You've heard it said that that hope floats. Well, hope may float, but your destiny is your lifesaver. Your destiny is your lifesaver. You've got to cling to it. If you cling to your destiny and you hold true to your character, then it will always bring you to the top. This was true for Joseph as well. He was a dreamer. And in prison, he had the opportunity to influence. He had the opportunity to interpret dreams of the butler and the baker. And as he interpreted correctly, eventually that would, that would become the, the thing, that would become the spark, the catalyst that would get him out of that season that he was in. Genesis 41, 14 Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved and changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. Your moment of redemption will come. If you're true to who God has called you to be, if you're true to the destiny that you know God has put on your life, if you're true to your character, then your redemption moment will come. 
You will be brought out of the prison, but you need to be ready to change. We can't continue to wear the old garment of the last season. We have to be ready to be put into and put on the new garment. In Genesis 41, we're going to jump down to verse 42. After Joseph had correctly interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, after he had showed him what would happen with the seven lean years, or seven uh, fat years, seven years of blessing, and then seven lean years of famine, Pharaoh says this, verse 42, then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in the garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck, and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee, so he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnapaniah. God speaks and he lives. God speaks and he lives. And he gave him as a wife, Asana, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. How interesting is that? Of all the names that, that could have been. Joseph, Joseph turned down an indecent proposal from Potiphar's wife. And because of his character, because of his faithfulness, because he stayed true, he was given as a wife, the daughter of a priest, the daughter of Potiphar. That's no coincidence. You can't tell me that God won't restore good when you reject evil. You can't tell me that God won't blessing, won't bless you when you stand up for what is right. You can't tell me that God is not faithful to restore and redeem and elevate everything that he has planned for you if you hold to your destiny. If you hold to what God has planned for you, he will bring you through. And that was just the beginning. Joseph put on the garment of a prince. He had authority, he had favor, he had position, he had the wife. But Joseph was destined to be even more than that. The famine went throughout the land and eventually even where his father and mother and brothers and family were, the famine was so severe that they had to come down to Egypt to get food. And Joseph became the salvation for his family. Even the ones, even his brothers that sold him into slavery, he told them what you meant for harm God destined for good. God has a destiny of salvation in each and every one of us. We're called, we're destined to be a salvation. One man, Joseph, was the salvation for his family. Seventy people came down from the nation of Israel, from that territory into Egypt, and 70 people were saved. His family was saved, but that was just the beginning as well because those 70 people turned into three million people. Three million Israelites came out of Egypt back into the promised land because of one man's faithfulness, because he stayed true to his destiny. What is your destiny? As we come to a close, I wanna close with this scripture, Matthew 11. 10 to 12. John is the man whom the scriptures refer to when they say, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. All who had ever lived, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, all the patriarchs, everybody, none who had ever lived is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. 
And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Right here, right now, the kingdom of heaven is under attack. There are people who who don't wanna see this book taught or preached or read or even exist in this country. We are the ones who are called to fight for it. We are the ones who are called to stand up and believe it, to read it, to love it, to apply it, to let it be a testimony, let it be a light in our lives. But how we do that is different. Each and every one of us is called to wear a different sweater, a different garment, a different mantle, a different assignment. And that that may change over seasons. But if we stay true to our character, if we wear the sweater that God has called us to wear, no one, no one, not even the devil can take it away from you. But watch this. We can take it off of ourselves. The devil doesn't have power over us. Anybody else doesn't have power over us, but we can choose to put on the sweater or not. We could choose to abdicate our responsibility. We could choose to to let somebody else do the hard work, let somebody else do the fighting. Each one of us has a battle. Each one of us has an assignment. And my job and my hope here today is that every one of us will, will go from here and will think about what is my assignment? What is my destiny? What is my calling? What do I need to be determined to do? What am I gonna latch on to and not let go of until it's finished, until I know that the God result has been achieved? So why don't we do this right now? Can we all stand to our feet? I wanna close in prayer. I wanna pray over these things. Maybe, maybe there's a sweater of, of destiny. Maybe there's a sweater of dedication or determination. Maybe there's a sweater of devotion that you know that you need to put on or put back on. Maybe there's some some dreams or some visions that that are connected to your destiny and you haven't quite seen it clearly yet. Well, I'd love to pray with you. And at the end, actually, I'm gonna have the ministry team down. And maybe maybe you're in that place where where you're looking for the right dream, you're looking for the right vision. You've got some resources, you've got some energy, you're determined, but you just don't know exactly where to launch. Well, come down at the end. The team would love to pray with you. But before we do that, I I wanna close out by praying for some people. The most important thing that we can do if we want access to these dreams, to these visions, to these destinies, to to the call of God, if we wanna hear God correctly, then we have to have a relationship with Him. And the Bible says the only way that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. So right here, right now, if that's you, if, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never gained access to the, to the ear and the voice of the Father, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you and, and you'd like to say yes, I want to, I want to say yes to God. I want to receive that free gift of relationship, of connection with my Heavenly Father. If I want to, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you've said a prayer like that at one point in your life, but you know that right now you're not walking with him. You know that that you need to get back onto the right path. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you as well. Either one of those two people right now, if that's you, you want to say that prayer to be connected to your Heavenly Father, receive Jesus Christ, or you want to say that prayer to rededicate your life to Him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand right now? I'd love to pray with you. See that hand. God bless you. See that hand. Who else is there? 
Thank you, Jesus. Who am I praying for this morning? You know you need to get right with God. See that hand. So proud of you. So proud of you. Thank you so much. Anybody else here today? I, want, I need to close out the service, but I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. See that hand. God bless you. So proud of you. Maybe there's a bit of a, a wrestle in your heart right now. You think, do I, do I need to raise my hand or do I not? Be like Jacob. Cling to God. Don't let him go. Fight for him. Who are those ones that I need to pray for this morning? Anybody else? I'd love to include you in that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, sir. So proud of you. God bless you in the back. Thank you so much. Why don't we do this? Let's all say this together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. And today, I repent of my sins. I claim that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I will live out my life in a way that honors him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.